Hello and welcome to the next in my series of studies in John's Gospel. I tend to feel that self-awareness is a really crucial quality and it's one of those qualities that we often spot others don't have but we may not be so aware of whether we have it. But the ability to um, be accurate in our perception of ourselves and how we see the world is absolutely crucial. And the story that we're going to look at in John's Gospel now kind of picks up uh, Peter's lack of self-awareness. But before we get to that, I want to read a quote from Richard Raw, which I found really challenging and helpful. He says, Each and every viewpoint is a view from a point. Unless we recognize and admit our own personal and cultural viewpoints, we never know how to decentralize our own perspective. We will live with a high degree of illusion and blindness that brings much suffering into the world. And that is one of the problems of a lack of self-awareness. We bring an illusion and we bring suffering into the world. And he continues, one of the key keys to wisdom is that we must recognize our own biases, our own addictive preoccupations, and those things to which, for some reason, we refuse to pay attention. Until we see these patterns, we will never be able to see what we do not see. Everyone sees the world from a certain defined cultural perspective. But people who have done their inner work also see beyond their own biases to see something transcendent, something that crosses the boundaries of cultural and individual experience. And that seems to be so important to me that we find that ability to see more than what we, than the world through our own eyes, but we can see it more objectively. And he talks more about the problem of seeing the world through our own biases. He says, people with distorted image of self, world, or God, will be largely incapable of experiencing what is really real in the world. They will see things through a narrow keyhole. They'll see instead what they need reality to be, what they're afraid it is, or what they're angry about. And that's so damaging, isn't it? Where we bend the reality into what we want it to be, or what we're afraid it is, or what we're angry about. And he concludes, they'll see everything through their aggressiveness, their fear, or their agenda. In other words, they won't see it at all. And we're going to see how Peter was unable to see the reality of what was going on in his own world, in his own life, and in his own thoughts and feelings. We're in John chapter 13. In fact, we're concluding John 13, where Jesus has begun the chapter by, or John has begun the chapter by telling us that Jesus is showing us the full extent of his love. And he takes on the role of a, a slave, the lowest slave, and he serves the others by washing their feet. And he tells the disciples that they will be blessed if they copy him, and that this is the example that he has set for them. And then after that, and you'll find this in our previous studies, you'll see how he was troubled by the in upcoming and impending betrayal from Judas. And that he tells the disciples to love as he has loved them. And so that's where we're going to pick it up, at John chapter 13 and verse 36. Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now 
but you will follow later. And it's clear that Peter understands that he's talking about, in some sense, talking about death. Because then Peter says, I, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Peter is making a statement. I'll go wherever you go, even to the point of death. I will be with you. I will never leave you. I am fully committed to you, Jesus. But then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Here is Peter's misjudgment. There are four misjudgments that I want to draw your attention to you. Two, he misjudges the strategies of Jesus. He misjudges what God was prepared to do. He misjudges his own abilities and he misjudges his real feelings. For we know that, Jesus, that Peter does deny Jesus, that he doesn't follow through on this bold statement that he will lay down his life for Jesus. He gets it wrong. Why does that happen? Why does he misjudge these things? Well, let's look at the first one. He misjudges the strategies of Jesus. What I mean by that is that Peter expected to lay down his life for, Peter, for Jesus because he was going to partner with him in his conquest. We suspect that he had the idea that Jesus was going to overthrow the occupying Romans, that he was going to defeat all that was evil and wrong in the world, and that Peter would be nobly by his side willing to lay down his life in this domination and conquest. And he misjudged the way Jesus was going to operate. He misjudged the values and the methods and the principles of Jesus. He misjudged his power. He misjudged his sense of glory. A few studies ago, we looked at how Jesus is glorified not through conquest, not through violence, not through war, not through uh, uh, domination of others, but through weakness, through the cross. And he misjudges what Jesus is going to do. He believes in the sense that Jesus is going to come and bring judgment for all the sin in the world. And he's misjudged all of that. Because the strategy of Jesus is victory through sacrifice, not conquest. And Peter isn't aware of how he isn't aware of how God does things. He thinks, perhaps in an Old Testament way, because that's what he was rooted in, he thinks that God will do things through um, strength, whereas Jesus is going to do things through weakness. He has misjudged that Jesus is going to do things through gentleness, not domination. He's misjudged that the glory is in forgiveness, not in judgment, and that mercy is to triumph over judgment. And we see so many today who have misjudged the, uh, the way in which God is working. And they've created a religion that is not the religion of Jesus uh, on the cross. It's a religion of the Old Testament or it's a religion of other ideas. It's a religion of domination, of judgment, of rejection, of uh, control. And this is not the way Jesus is. And Peter isn't aware of how he doesn't understand truly the purposes and ways of Jesus. And secondly, Peter misjudges what God was prepared to do. 
He has an idea that Jesus will not let him be separated from him, that he'll be by the side of Jesus the entire time. Whereas what actually happens is that uh, we know that Jesus is taken away, is arrested, and, Jesus, and Peter is left in the courtyard outside. You can read these words in the other Gospels as he explains what happens. And Peter doesn't expect to be left on his own. He doesn't expect to feel that Jesus has gone. He's not prepared for that separation. And sometimes we're not prepared for the wilderness experience. We believe that everything's going to be easy and everything's going to be great because God is always going to feel as though he is there. And he's misunderstood and we misunderstand that there are times when we go through the deep darkness of the valley or the wilderness and we wonder where God is. And Peter in the courtyard, as he's accused of being a disciple of Jesus, has not been prepared or ready to, to recognize that Jesus wasn't with him at that moment. He wasn't prepared to face accusation. He believed that Jesus wouldn't let that happen to him, that he wouldn't be accused of being a disciple. But most of all, he misjudged that he was going to be allowed to fail. And he perhaps had a perception that God would always be with him and that he would never fail because God would always be on his side. And sometimes we have an inaccurate perception of what life is like. He thought that God would never let him mess up. And so there was a sense of pride and strength and arrogance. And that led to the third misjudgment of his own abilities. He thought he was wiser than he really was. He thought he was braver than he really was. He thought he had a strength that he didn't actually have. He thought he would be able to control and act in the way that he believed in and wanted, but he couldn't. He thought he would be able to resist temptation, but he didn't. He thought he wouldn't need God's help, but he did. And this seems to me to be a really important challenge for so many of us, where we think we can do it, where we think in our own strength that things will be great and we'll be able to resist that temptation and we'll be able to triumph and we'll be strong and we'll be brave. And there's a lack of self-awareness. And Peter falls because he isn't prepared, because he isn't dependent on God, because he hasn't thought through what is actually going to happen. And sometimes we go into situations blindly, just assuming it will be fine. And we haven't prepared ourselves in prayer. We haven't thought about strategies. We haven't thought about what we will do. We haven't thought about what it might feel like to feel that God isn't there. We haven't thought about what it might feel like to be accused. We haven't thought about what it might feel like to find the temptation overwhelming. And Peter's final misjudgment is about his real feelings. You see, he thought he was prepared to die for Jesus. He hadn't realized that he wasn't prepared to follow Jesus anywhere. That once it looked like that Jesus had been arrested, that all his courage had failed him. And he wasn't aware that he wasn't as brave as he thought he was. He wasn't aware of his pride, that he would... Uh, that he believed that he could do anything for Jesus. And there was a sense in which there was a, a, 
a pride in his own ability. And he wasn't aware, he couldn't see it in himself. He couldn't see the lack of humility that he had. He couldn't see perhaps his need of recognition, his need to boast to Jesus that he would lay down his life for him and that he would never desert him wherever else might. And his need of acceptance which drove him to deny that he knew Jesus. When it was, he was accused of being a follower of Jesus, he needed to feel accepted by that group of people and so he denied that he knew Jesus. And I wonder for us where it is that we need to say, Jesus, show us what's really going on in our hearts. Are we as committed as we think we are? Are there agendas and motives that are damaging and unhealthy, that push us and may look holy and good, but are not. Soren Kierkegaard says, therefore, do not deceive yourself. Of all deceivers, fear most yourself. Lack of understanding of who we are, of how we respond to crises, of why we react to things, of what we're going to do. These are damaging and dangerous things, and we need to ask God, Lord, help open my eyes that I may be honest before you because I'm honest with myself. Because when we're dishonest with ourselves, we can't be honest with God. So what questions might we ask ourselves? Are we expecting to partner with the Jesus of the cross, the Jesus of weakness, the Jesus who turns the other cheek, the Jesus who sacrifices himself for others? Or do we have an expectation of God that is more triumphant, perhaps, or looks to be as if more things go our way in the way we expect? Do we have an awareness that perhaps our understanding of Jesus isn't rooted in the cross. And are our expectations, expectations of what God will do really truthful? Do we believe that he will protect us from all kinds of problems when actually the reality is that he says though we may go through the fire and though we may go through the waters, they won't overcome us but we'll still go through them. And there is sometimes a misunderstanding that we think we'll never, get, we'll never go through difficulty or we'll never have trials because God is with us. That's not what the Bible says. It says that we will survive, we will stand, we will come out the other side. But sometimes we don't expect difficulty and we give up when it occurs. And are we honest about our weaknesses? Do we know them? Are we aware of them? Are we able to say in confession and prayerfulness, God, you know what I'm not good at. Lord, help me. Are we prepared for our weakness? And are we aware of what we really feel? Are there hopes, drives, ambitions, resentments that we suppress and are unaware of, but others can see and that affect our behavior and that affect the way we see the world? as Richard Raw talked about in our quote at the beginning, are there things that drive us in anger or uh, make us try and fit reality into what we want it to be? How aware are we of what we really feel? 
Let's ask God to give us insight into what's really going on in our hearts and minds. What's really causing us to react and feel the way we do. And let's ask God to give us the strength to resist the things that are difficult, rather than to be blindsided by them and for them to take us by surprise. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, will you help us to have an accurate perception of who we are, of our strengths and weaknesses, of our thoughts and feelings and ambitions and drives, and will you help us to have an accurate perception of you and the way you work through gentleness, kindness, sacrifice and weakness and grace. Help us not to become disillusioned because we begin with an illusion. But help us to see things as they really are. Open our eyes, Lord, we pray. We bring our weaknesses to you and we thank you that when we're honest with you, you transform us by the indwelling of your Holy Spirit. Fill us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.